story. This is Viewpoint with attorney and author Chuck Chrismeyer. Viewpoint is a one-hour open-line talk show confronting the issues of America's heart and home. To express your viewpoint, please call 804-754-1988. That's 804-754-1988. And now with today's edition of Viewpoint, here is Chuck Chrismeyer. I am for peace, but they are for war. Those are the words of the psalmist. And they have great implications for us here today on Viewpoint. The Russian Times has this headline, Total War. The degree of animosity of Russia's opponents in extraordinary remarkable, says Deputy Foreign Minister Sergei Ryabkov. A total war has been declared against Russia, and it's being waged in hybrid forms in all areas. The degree of animosity of our opponents, of our enemies, is enormous and extraordinary, said the Russian foreign minister. Now, dare we say that perhaps his words are equally applicable to the United States of America? Because also from the Russian Times today comes this headline. Is civil war possible in modern-day America? Yes, you heard it correctly. Is civil war possible in modern-day America? With a seemingly unbridgeable rift separating society, grim predictions of armed conflict are intensifying. Is the United States doomed to repeat history? No other developed country of the world frets over the possibility of a civil war more than the United States. Perhaps that's because the memory of the first one, the deadliest military conflict in American history that cost 600,000 lives, was so utterly devastating that it is impossible to shake. Or maybe Americans genuinely see no other way out of the impasse they currently face than by going to war against themselves. Again, this is coming from the Russian Times today. Two in five of the respondents to a recent set of polls believe a civil war is at least somewhat likely in the next decade in America. It could almost be argued that the United States is already experiencing a civil war, but it just hasn't been officially announced. In any case, the FBI raid on Mar-a-Lago Donald Trump's Florida estate certainly underscored the climate of political divisiveness as a prelude to major unrest. Republicans saw this as the latest proof that the establishment has no interest in playing by the rules. The writer of the Russian Times goes on to say, we're talking about a country that is 65% Christian and 50% conservative struggling to come to grips with an explosion of fiercely controversial ideas, like critical race theory, transgenderism, LGBTQ, drag queen story hours for their children, and so on. What many Americans find so unsustainable is that there seems to be no escape, no way of opting out, no way of protecting even the children from the cultural sea changes underway, 
promoted by the president. So while it is not difficult to demonstrate that there is a veritable chasm now separating the American people, does that prove civil war is on the horizon? Nobody knows. And there we have it. There we have it, friends. We are in deep, deep trouble here in the United States of America. So much so that my friend Dr. Michael Brown says there's only one hope for America, and that is a massive spiritual revival. I agree with him. I agree with him wholeheartedly. In fact, we have been declaring that since 1993, since we formed Save America Ministries as a voice to the church declaring vision for the nation in America's greatest crisis hour on the near edge of the second coming. We're in deep, deep trouble. (coughs) We don't want to necessarily admit how deep the trouble really is. But when the President of the United States, against the backdrop of the Philadelphia, shall we say, incarnation of the Constitution and the Declaration of Independence, goes on to declare war, virtual war, against the American people. So great was that speech seen as antagonistic, as a virtual declaration of war, that several polls now have come out and said his speech was nothing but an escalation of problems. There was no hope for peace, no even suggestion of peace. In fact, another poll declared that the huge majority of Americans say Biden's speech was designed to incite. Designed to incite. So who is the instigator of insurrection? What's the difference between inciting a civil war and words that are alleged to have caused an insurrection on January 6th. What's the difference? In name only? The Civil War cost America America 600,000 lives, not to mention terrifying destruction to both North and South, and a divide that has continued even until today. So how are we to understand these things? A huge majority of Americans say Biden's speech designed, not ultimately incited, but was designed to incite. Therein lies the problem. Therein lies the problem. And so day on Viewpoint, we're going to continue to take a look at this issue of peace when there is no peace. Men will say peace or cry peace, peace, when there is no peace, the Bible says, and we're living in those times. Is there any that seeks peace? How do you seek peace when you declare war? I am for peace, but they are for war, said the psalmist in Psalm 120, verse 7. We desire peace, don't we? 
In one sense, I would say, probably everyone desires peace. But at what price? You see, the division is so great internally in the mind and heart and soul and spirit of America and Americans that we have reached, have we crossed the Rubicon, so to speak? Have we actually made a decision culturally that there is no turning back, that the nation is irreparably divided, and that irreconcilable differences have arisen between the American people such that, for all practical purposes, we have declared war on one another and are filing for divorce. Is that where we are? Think about it. We'll be right back. Once upon a time, children could pray and read their Bibles in school. Divorces were practically unknown, as was child abuse. In our once great America, virginity and chastity were popular virtues, and homosexuality was an abomination. So what happened in just one generation? Hi, I'm Chuck Chris Meyer, and I urge you to join me daily on Viewpoint, where we discuss the most challenging issues touching our hearts and homes. Could America's moral slide relate to the Fourth Commandment? Listen to Viewpoint on this radio station or anytime at saveus.org. Welcome back to Viewpoint. I'm Chuck Chrismeyer. Today we look at America on the edge of civil war. Even the Russian Times has given a clear analysis of our problem. And then various polls within the country are confirming exactly what the Russian Times concluded. We are on the edge of civil war. And quite frankly, the whole world is looking on with apprehension, how can this nation that Abraham Lincoln called the last best hope of earth now be uh, displaying that we are now about to express our last breath as a free people? That's what we're really talking about here. So when Joe Biden, (coughs) excuse me, delivered his speech on September 1st, calling it a battle for the soul of the nation. Maybe he was right. Maybe this really is a battle for the soul of the nation. A large majority of Americans, nearly 60%, said Joe Biden's primetime speech in which he angrily lashed out at Republicans and conservatives claiming they are extremism that threatens the very foundations of republic was actually designed to incite conflict. These numbers reveal that the most that most voters were sickened and deeply disturbed by what they saw last week on September 1st. When you couple this finding with previous polling that had been done indicating a majority of voters also hold President Biden responsible for America's divisions, it's clear that the man who promised to unite the nation has become the most divisive president In American history, said Mark Meckler, president of the Convention of States. When voters tell you they think that the prepared remarks of a sitting president of the United States is a dangerous escalation, those are the clear words, dangerous escalation that was designed to incite conflict, 
We are in terrifying times. This is the tyranny the founders of America foresaw. We're in great danger. Much greater than you can possibly imagine. Yes, the soul of the nation is at stake. The mind, will, and emotions of America and Americans is in deep, deep trouble and division. There have always been disagreements. There were always, wherever there are humankind, there will be disagreements. But in America, we found ways to deal with those disagreements generally, not always, but generally, in a peaceful way. A peaceful uh, transition of power, for instance. Moving from one leader to the next. But what's this about? Why this, one called it the Red Sermon. Because it was preached by Biden in a an environment that was calculated to express violence. A blood-red background flanked by two Marines with Mr. Biden with his fists up shouting at at, at uh, Republicans and those who believe in making America great again as extremists and dangerous to the very foundations of the republic. What republic is he talking about? He's creating a new one, a whole new one in the imagination of his own soul and mind and heart. And he represents a massive percentage of the American people. So what do we do? What can we do? Amid such a dangerous escalation designed to inflict, incite conflict, and living in terrifying times on the edge of tyranny. That's where we are. What can we do? What should we do? We want to keep that focus, that question before us as we move forward with today's program. The prophet Isaiah, in Isaiah 9, 6, and 7, gave us a picture of Messiah. You remember that picture? It gets quoted oftentimes at Christmas time. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, His government and peace, again I repeat, his government and peace, there should be no end upon the throne of David to order and to establish it from this time forth and even forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will or shall perform it. Notice, the coming of Messiah 
the promise of Messiah was to restore the government of God. Now, what does the government of God look like? The government of God looks like God. It looks like what God has said in his word. If God says, I hate divorce, then the government of God under Messiah says, I hate divorce. If the government of God says that male and female were created as male and female, then they were. And any disagreement therewith is not the government of God. It's the it's a counterfeit government ushered in by the spirit of Antichrist. Anything dis, dissing or in disagreement with the government of God as expressed in his word is by definition of the counterfeit Christ, the Antichrist, Satan himself. So when the counterfeit Christ shows up on the scene, we can expect that he will embrace everything that is contrary to the government of God. So when Joe Biden stood up before the American people on September 1st, everything he embraced was contrary to the government of God. The promotion of uh, unfettered abortion, contrary to the government of God. Virtually everything he stands for, everything his predecessor, Barack Obama, stood for, was contrary to the government of God. When when, uh, Donald Trump came along, in spite of his wicked past, in spite of his uh, many divorces, in spite of his philandering, he demonstrated and called for a very different outlook for the country, the restoration of the government of God, a government under God that would be indivisible. That was the Make America Great Again concept. No wonder there is such antagonism toward that. That's without even considering the globalistic issue. We're talking about a people that are so divided that one group, the majority of which are riding under the name Democrat, are raging against the government of God. That doesn't mean that that, uh, the majority of Republicans or even uh, all Republicans are uh, pursuing the government of God. doesn't mean that at all. But it just does mean that there is a strong remnant within the Republican Party of those who truly seek the government of God and seek to see it restored. And so, the line is drawn in the sand. Joe Biden drew that line in the sand very, very clearly on September 1st. And that's why there's such an uprising throughout the country, even among independents, saying, my goodness, he's just gone too far. And again, 
In his speech, Joe Biden made an interesting statement. He said, we should never let someone steal an election again. Well, what election is he talking about? We should never let someone steal an election again. Is he admitting that he stole the election? Because Donald Trump certainly didn't steal the election. Hillary Clinton continues to lament that Donald Trump stole the election. Even though it was profoundly and overwhelmingly clear that the country rejected Hillary Clinton. So why is it that she doesn't get the same rebuke for claiming the stealing of an election? And what did Joe Biden mean when he said, we should never let someone steal an election again? In other words, was he really saying that we are going to exercise such power and such restraint as a government that we will never, ever again allow anyone who disagrees with our viewpoint to win an election. Is that what he meant? Sixty-two percent of independent voters agreed with the majority that that speech on September 1st stepped up the inflammatory rhetoric and would incite conflict among Americans. Fifty-seven percent of voters think it represents a dangerous escalation in rhetoric designed to incite conflict among Americans. Eighty-nine percent of Republicans believe the speech was dangerous rhetoric rhetoric designed to inflict con, uh, incite conflict but only 18.7% of Democrats think that. That shows you how radically different the American mind and heart is. So when, at Philadelphia, Joe Biden described the upcoming elections as the battle for the soul of the nation, maybe he was absolutely right. Maybe it is a battle for the soul of the nation. He said too much of what's happening in our country isn't normal. He's right about that. But then he said, Republicans who want to make America great again represent extremism that threatens the very foundations of our republic, which I thought was the very purpose of the republic, to have a strong country, (coughs) ruled by the people, not by the government. He said, for a long time, we've reassured ourselves that American democracy is guaranteed. But it's not. We have to defend it, he said. Protect it. Stand up for it. Each and every one of us. Is that what he's doing by inciting the FBI to lie, to cheat, to steal, to do whatever they have to do in order to not protect the Constitution and the elections, but to defile them? Mr. Trump responded, saying that address was the most vicious, hateful, and divisive speech ever delivered by an American president. I couldn't disagree. 
at least there's been some measure of civility in addresses by presidents, at least toward the American people. That was not. Not even close. Not even a hint of civility. It was about war. A drawing of the line in the sand and say, you either agree with our viewpoint, meaning the Democrat Party, particularly the progressive wing of the Democrat Party, or you're out of here. And we're going to deal with you accordingly, and you are not going to be able to stand because if you do, it will be like stealing an election, and we're not going to let that happen again. We are going to win perpetually. That's really what he was saying. You don't think so? Well, wait till you hear what a senior Justice Department official said. We'll be right back. There is so much more about Chuck Chris Meyer and Save America Ministries on our website, saveus.org. For example, on the front page are two great videos. First, an interview and discussion of Chuck's book, Out of Egypt. Also, a great TV interview with Chuck regarding his book, Seduction of the Saints. Much more videos, a for pastors only section, and also you can view Chuck's weekly teachings. All at his website, saveus.org. That's saveus.org. Also on Chuck's website, listen to Chuck's Viewpoint broadcast. Listen to the archives. Maybe you missed a program. Check it out at saveus.org. Also, there are some great resources, hospitality information, also information about marriage, divorce, and remarriage, newsletters, articles, prophecy, prayer and revival information, all at saveus.org. Welcome back to Viewpoint. I'm Chuck Chris Meyer. Before we go further, I want to make available to you my book, Renewing the Soul of America. That book has come back into importance in ways that are beyond anything I contemplated when it was first written. Renewing the Soul of America. It is a book unlike any other concerning our country, concerning our heritage, concerning the role that you and I play for such a time as this. It's an $18 book, yours for $15. Very inspirational, hope-filled, while recognizing the depth of the problem by the way that's increasing since the book was written. $15 will put it in your hands. It's on our website, saveus.org, saveus.org. Or you can call us at 1-800-SAVE-USA, 1-800-SAVE-USA, or write to us at Save America Ministries. P.O. Box 70879, Richmond, Virginia, 23255. If you're writing a check at $5 for postage and handling, we'll put Renewing the Soul of America in your hands. You want to know what you can do? Edmund Burke, back there in the not-so-jolly old England, made a statement that has reverberated to our time, repeated over and over again, and it's so great. He said, I can't do everything, but I can do something. What I can do, I should do. And by the grace of God, I will do. Okay? 
So what can you do? What should you do? And what will you do? You see, those are the three questions. What can I do? What should I do? And what will I do? Most people will never get to what I will to do. They'll say, what I can do? Okay. They'll get to what I should do? Yes. But to do what they should do, they never do. That's why James said that we should be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving our own selves. All right, so what can we do? We can deal with the fundamental issues that make up God's government. The character of the people, <coughs> excuse me, as revealed in the scriptures. Truth. We want to be lovers of truth. Truth in general, God's truth, but also be truth tellers. We want to be lovers of truth. So we have an entire chapter in that book dealing with truth. The Bible said that we should add unto our faith virtue. Well, what is that? How do you add unto your faith virtue? If you want to find out what that really looks like, we have a whole chapter on what that means. You see, virtue was at the very heart of the foundation of the republic. Our founders over and over again said that our government, our form of government, could not be sustainable unless the people were virtuous people. Well, that goes to the soul of the country, doesn't it? Is Joe Biden calling us to be a virtuous people? No, just the opposite. So you know his message is not virtuous, and it is not about restoring the government of God. Just the opposite. So we're at war. We're at war or the whether we're going to be a people who are God-fearing or man-fearing. Whether we're going to be a nation and a people who trust God fundamentally or who are going to trust a counterfeit Messiah, counterfeit Christ, who is going to come to usher the world into a new world order of globalism, in effect, the ultimate manifestation and rebuilding of the ancient Tower of Babel that God destroyed. It's not that difficult to see. It's not that difficult to understand if we want to. If we don't want to, if we don't want to deal with it and want to put our hands over our face like two-year-olds and say, look, man, you can't see me. Look, God, you can't see me. Well, we can play pretend until it's all gone. That's where we are right now. I was so grateful to just get an invitation to speak at Constitution Day uh, on the 17th of uh, September. A gathering of folk. And they wanted to know what I was going to speak about. Would you like to know? I was going to speak about two constitutions. The Constitution of the United States and the Constitution of God. It's called the Bible. 
the Constitution of God preceded the Constitution of the United States. The only way the Constitution of the United States could stand or even be formed was based upon the pre-existing reverence for the Constitution of God. To the extent that the Constitution of God has been rejected, it made it increasingly easy to reject the authority of the Constitution of the United States. It's very simple. Therefore, we must make a choice. Your children must make a choice. Your grandchildren must make a choice. Pastors, you must make a choice. This is not a game. We're on the edge of a major civil war here. As Abraham Lincoln said, testing whether this nation or any nation so conceived and so dedicated can long endure. This is not about politics, per se. This is about the government of God. Do you get it yet? Politics is involved, but politics is the reflection of the inner soul of the people. It reveals the soul of the people. So therefore, politics itself is not the solution. The solution is the radical change of the soul of the people. And it cannot be done from the bully pulpit of Joe Biden with a red, a deep red, horrific background declaring violence to half of America. That is not how you declare peace or restore the soul of a country. A senior Justice Department official referred to a highly regarded religious liberty organization as a hate group. Eric Bruskin, assistant director of the commercial litigation branch of the Justice Department Civil Division, used the term to describe Alliance Defending Freedom, a Christian legal advocacy group. When you have a senior Justice Department official publicly rejecting and declaring and labeling a respected Christian organization, Alliance Defending Freedom, I know them well, as a hate group, you know what's in the heart of the Obama administration. It's not love, it's hate. They are the ones that hate. They hate righteousness. They hate godliness. They hate the government of God. It is an utter and total rebuke to them, and they will not take it sitting down. They will fight you tooth and nail, even if it means civil war in America. That's where we are. Can I put it in any clearer terms? Now, I want to go back to Isaiah 9, 6, and 7. 
The prophet Isaiah told us of the coming Messiah. His name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government, that is the Messiah's government and peace, there shall be no end. Ultimately, his government is going to win, but it may not win until the United States of America is destroyed. The choice is ours. The choice belongs to your children and your grandchildren. Pastors, it belongs to the people sitting in the pews that you refuse to address because you are too pusillanimous. You heard that correctly. You're too afraid of the people. Now, Jesus, when he came, the Messiah, when he came, said this. I came not to bring peace, but a sword. Are you listening? We're telling truth now. We're putting the truth in perspective. When Isaiah 9, 6, and 7 says his name shall be called the Prince of Peace, yes, that was predicated on one thing. One understanding, and that is the government of God was restored. That's how he would be called the Prince of Peace. Without the government of God being restored, he cannot be the Prince of Peace. So he says, I came not to bring peace but a sword. What did he mean by that? He meant that in order for the government of God ultimately to reign, the wickedness and divisiveness of anti-God government would have to be cut out. How does that happen? By war? I don't think so. We'll be back. Have you ever considered what the early church was like? Many people are developing a heart longing for a greater fulfillment in our practices as Christians. A recent study showed 53,000 people a week are leaving the back door of America's churches in frustration. What is going on? Why has there not been even a 1% gain among followers of Christ in the last 25 years? Could it be that God is seeking to restore first century Christianity for the 21st century? Jesus said, I'll build my church. Is Christ by his spirit stirring to prepare the church for the 21st century? The early church prayed together and broke bread from house to house. They were family, and it was said by all who observed, behold how they love one another. Incredible. But the same can be found right now. Go to saveus.org and click Sell Church. We can revive first century Christianity for the 21st century. It's about people, not programs. It's about a body, not a building. That's saveus.org. Click Sell Church. Triggered to use deadly force. Hmm. Interesting. An article came out from the Russian Times. Again, after being swatted for a second time by police, Steve Bannon has claimed the president is trying to stir up would-be assassins. 
He's accused President Joe Biden of trying to stir up hatred of his political enemies to get them killed. He made the comments after being swatted that his his home was stormed by heavily armed police based on a false report for the second time this summer. He said the White House is trying to use this type of violence to silence their critics. Then he labels them as extremists threatening to destroy American democracy. Bannon said they're stirring up unstable people on the far left to do this. So the police were called in Washington to Bannon's home on a false report just minutes before Biden began his primetime speech on September 1st. Earlier in the day, White House press secretary condemned those who don't agree with the American majority as extreme. Biden likened the Make America Great philosophy to semi-fascism and accused Republicans who embrace that as posing a threat to our democracy. So Biden says, I mean, uh, Bannon says, this is 100% triggered by the White House. He said that the swatting calls were very specific and were intended to trigger police to use deadly force. Now, here's how this works. <clears throat> Somebody is encouraged to make an accusation that something very bad is happening at a particular address. So they call the police. And because it is set up to be a potentially dangerous situation, the police send, send in what they call SWAT teams. Multiple police officers armed to the hilt, and they storm the residence as if they're going to be facing World War III. So they're primed to kill. This is what uh, Steve Bannon is talking about. They're primed to kill. Just the least provocation, and they'll shoot to kill. And then justify it later. This happened to Steve Bannon twice this summer. Oh, he's not the only one. Another top Biden critic, U.S. Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene, was swatted last month when a caller falsely reported that a man had been shot in a bathtub at her Georgia home. After waking to loud knocks and seeing people in lights outside, she opened her door to police with guns drawn. The caller who made the false report later claimed to be angry about Green's opposition to child sex change operations and admitted wanting to swat her. Now guess what? These swatting calls have led to multiple deaths in the United States. So, Mr. Bannon and Mrs. Green are lucky that they didn't get killed by these SWAT teams. Biden is stirring up the most unstable and radical elements to use any means necessary to physically harm or suppress dissenting votes. This is dangerous, friends. These are real things. 
On September 1st, did Joe Biden declare, give a red sermon? It certainly wasn't one that was calculated to give life to the country. The very background was designed to instill fear, empower, menacing power. <coughs> now, the U.S. is not alone in the risk of civil unrest. Another report from the Russian Times today, more than 100 nations worldwide have been affected. Countries worldwide are experiencing an unprecedented rise in the potential for civil unrest. What's amazing is how serious it has become in the one nation that's supposed to stand above all manifesting the government of God from his heart. Now you can begin to see why another article declared Biden goes to war against America. If America, making America great again is a threat to our democracy, which, by the way, is what our Constitution is intended to do, then, Mr. President, are Republicans going to be allowed to vote in the coming election? And if Republicans do vote in this and 2024 presidential election, will their ballots even be counted? With the president denounced 75 million voters repeatedly and without mercy, so he must believe the risk to America is of great importance, is immediate, and must be dealt with now. So, Will these so-called MAGA voters lose their other freedoms too? Then what are you going to do with those people? Is this America's rescue plan, Mr. Biden? Is this calculated to restore the soul of our country? This article this is not from the Russian Times, by the way. Joe Biden's speech was a disgrace and a catastrophe. U.S. ambassadors around the world probably called in sick to avoid the embarrassment. Can you imagine the effect on the trust of the world with a speech like that? Now, I want to shift again. My friend, Dr. Michael Brown, has written another piece, God Brings Revival or America Dies. About 20 years ago, Leonard Ravenhill wrote a, a book called, Is America Too Young to Die? Now, Michael Brown writes, God Brings Revival or America Dies. America has sunk too deep to recover on its own. We have sunk too deep into a moral morass, too deep into cultural confusion, too deep into a spiritual stupor. Only God can turn the tide. Only God can save us from implosion. We need God. Political involvement has its place. Social involvement is important. But what must we do? There's no turning back the clock. 
We must recognize, he said, that without divine intervention, it's over for America as we know it. I agree. We've been saying this for 27 years here on this program. Why do you think the Lord spoke to my heart in 1992 saying, Son, you've been pleading the cause of men long enough. I want you to plead this cause, the cause of righteousness to our, the, the country and to my people particularly. That's where we are. Now, what can we do? What should we do? Remember, I can't do everything, but I can do something. What I can do, I should do, and by the grace of God, I will do. So what is that? First of all, because we don't have the time here on the air today to go through all of these, I would urge you, and I do mean urge you, if you really care, to get a copy of the book, Renewing the Soul of America. There's a reason why 38 national Christian leaders endorsed that book, when there were a lot of other books about our country out there. But this one was radically different. It wasn't about them. It was about you and about me. What can and should we do and be? How can we truly make a difference? And it goes back to our own lives, to our own families. It has to start somewhere, and it can't start with the bully pulpit in Washington. Our government, a government under God, begins with we the people, not we the president, or we the Republican or Democratic Party. If we truly have our full confidence and trust, In the Republican Party or the Democrat Party, friend, we've raised up an idol. And God doesn't like idolatry. He's looking for a people who will follow him with a whole heart. He's talking about you. He's talking about me. He's talking about the boldness of pastors in their congregations calling out sin for what it is and calling for repentance. Repentance is the most positive word in the Bible. Without it, there is no hope. There's no salvation without confession and repentance, turning from sin. None. There is no way to restore the soul of America ultimately without confession and repentance beginning in God's own house. That's where judgment's going to begin. The Bible says that. Judgment's going to begin in the house of God. That's where revival has to begin. You can't revive people who were never alive. Those who are not believers were never alive from God's viewpoint. They're dead in their trespasses and sins. The ones that have to be revived are those who profess to be the followers of the Lord, but are playing spiritual and religious games, have fallen away from their first love, who are dissing God's word at every turn while claiming to be followers of the Lord. And he's he's fed up with it. God's not going to put up with it. And if it means that the greatest nation on the face of the earth has to go under, then so be it, he says. As the prophet Isaiah wrote, all the nations are as a drop in the bucket. 
God's not impressed. The only thing that impresses God is righteousness. And righteousness alone exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. Even Abraham Lincoln quoted that. Now, we have to begin somewhere. And we have to begin back at the beginning. We have to rebuild the foundations of faith and freedom. That's what we've been doing for 27 years on the air and for two years before that when we formed Save America Ministries. That's what it's all about. If you haven't figured that out yet. Messiah is coming. But he's only coming back for a people without spot, wrinkle, or any such thing. He's not coming back for America. He's not coming back for Republicans or Democrats. He's not coming back for anybody like that. He's coming back for people who are living holy, repentant lives right now. Is that you? This is where it begins, friends. And to help us catch and re-catch and uh, capture that vision, I wrote the book, Renewing the Soul of America. One person at a time, beginning with you. It's an $18 book. It'll take you through our nation's heritage. Very inspiring. I mean, a lot of people said they just broke down and wept when they read chapter one. That's true. Get a copy. $15 on our website, saveus.org. Hope lies ahead. Truth must march on in your boots. Call us 1-800-SAVE-USA. Write to us at Save America Ministry. And seriously, consider becoming a partner, friends. If ever there was a time, we need to be able to advance the cause of this particular broadcast more broadly. It's now. Go to the website, saveus.org. Make your generous gift. Write to us, call us, and pray for us. God bless and be a blessing. You've been listening to Viewpoint with Chuck Grissmeyer. Viewpoint is supported by the faithful gifts of our listeners. Let me urge you to become a partner with Chuck as a voice to the church declaring vision for the nation. Join us again next time on Viewpoint as we confront the issues of America's heart and home.